Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Misinformation Station. We are your hosts today. I am Victoria Salos. I'm Josh Chen. And my name is Luca Mancuso. So to jump into today's topic, we're going to talk about the difference between disinformation and misinformation. In our introduction just now, we introduced ourselves by the wrong names purposefully and spread false information. My name is not actually Luca. I'm Victoria. (laughs) And misinformation would have been if we gave you guys this false information unintentionally. So like if we had amnesia and then I forgot that I was Josh Chen, so that would count as misinformation? Right. Yeah, but we don't have amnesia. We just were tricking you guys. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of wanted to talk really quick about um, a really recent thing. If you guys have been in any school, any public place, but about two weeks ago, there was a government national alarm uh, that they sent out uh, the signal and then all these phones alarms were supposed to go off. But I was kind of the source of misinformation in this because when I heard that, I went, oh, my God, the government's going to be turning off of our phones. And I started telling people that they're turning off our phones. I got humbled pretty quickly. I don't know if you guys had any, you know, similar, um, you know, rumor stuff happen with that. Yeah, while I was at work, all of the alarms went off. And prior to that, I had had my coworker telling me all of these conspiracy theories about why I should be turning my phone off that there's going to be like signals transmitted through the alarm that it's going to start a zombie apocalypse just all this crazy stuff and it kind of was making me really question if I should turn my phone off or not because I was being told all this crazy stuff from people even though I knew it probably wasn't true it still makes you kind of like think about it a little bit Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this just shows how misinformation can spread with something as simple as a phone alarm. And that takes us right into Pizzagate. Do either of you guys know what Pizzagate is? I've Uh, heard of it, but I don't really remember like details about it. Yeah, I have no idea what that is. Can you can you tell me a little bit about Pizzagate? (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I'll set the scene for you. March of 2016. The 2016 election is underway. When Hillary Clinton's campaign chair, his emails leak, and a bunch of alt-right and conservative people falsely claim that these emails contain hidden coded messages that connected several high-ranking Democratic Party officials to U.S. restaurants that potentially housed human trafficking rings, child sex rings, things like that. Obviously, none of this was true. But these false claims spread on sites like 4chan and Reddit, and people started believing in it. Eventually, an armed man even infiltrated one said pizzeria called Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria in Washington, D.C. He fired shots at locked doors to try to find these captain children. And what do you know? There was no children. So barring the the dope name of that pizzeria, Comet Ping Pong, um, <laughs> Clearly, there's some really, really negative effects of, you know, rumors and misinformation. Yeah, that sounds dangerous. So the first topic that we'll be discussing today with y'all, we're going to be discussing where misinformation can come from. So recently, I came across a video by the YouTube channel called Veritasium. Uh, Have you guys heard of that channel before? Yeah, a little bit. It's run by this one guy. He is very reputable. He always sources his videos with facts and information. And somebody like Neil deGrasse Tyson, 
you know, world famous uh, scientists, mm -hmm. uh, said that his channel was very, very trustworthy. Um, and he released a video called Why Most Published Information is Wrong. Uh, there's a lot of talks about scientific mumbo jumbo, but the main point was that some misinformation is sourced from actual real scientific studies. Do you want to explain that a little more? Yeah, sure. So there's, you know, a lot of talk about how scientists can mess with their data and really pick and choose what things they want to include in a study so that it shows them exactly what they want. Recently, there was a headline, just for an example, that chocolate helps you lose weight. At first, it sounds awesome. I love chocolate. I want to lose weight. Of course, I'm going to eat more chocolate to lose weight. I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would yeah. be nice. <laughs> but if you take a closer look at the study, you'll find out that only five people uh, were treated or tested upon. And when your sample size is only five people, suddenly the weight of the experiment, it means a lot less. Also, when it comes to these new and novel publications, you want to pick something that sticks out. And that's probably what you're going to be sharing with people. If you hear something that's old, plain Jane, you know, you've heard it a million times, uh, whatever. But here's something exciting, like chocolate helps you lose weight that thing is going to spread like wildfire. Absolutely. And I think that takes us into how news outlets help spread misinformation. Yeah, I feel like with news outlets, a lot of people, you know, have like these associations of associating like political parties with specific news channels. And I think that this kind of can be a source of misinformation in a way because the news channel themselves is like, already presenting you information with a certain type of bias and then when viewers are watching these news channels they're kind of looking to get their own opinions that they already have they want their own opinions to be confirmed so it's not really getting factual information and it's kind of more opinion based yeah and I don't think anyone necessarily wants to spread misinformation, but sometimes people just fall trapped to wanting to disprove the opposite of their belief or the opposite of their political affiliation. So without even fact-checking what they're reading, they'll just share their post. Definitely. Like they just want to be told that what they think is right. And I don't want to claim to be a saint, but... Uh, I am also, you know, guilty of that. If I find something that, you know, affirms what I believe, I'm going to stick to that, even if I haven't fact-checked it. Yeah, I mean, we all fall victim to the single headline news articles we see on social media. It's pretty easy just to share a picture with the news heading on top of it without taking a further look at what that research says. Yeah, yeah. and I think it also ties into, like, people they have different ideologies they kind of can experience the same event in a totally different way let's say me and luca both don't think the same and we watch the same movie they can have a completely different interpretation than i would have exactly you, you know you kind of pick up on the information that affirms what you believe you completely ignore what doesn't matter to you and it's super dependent on one's personal experiences and everything like that yeah, and we definitely see this echo chamber effect a lot in social media, where we're just constantly seeing things that affirm our own beliefs. It's a little harder, especially maybe for an older generation, to branch out of things they want to see 
and actively seek out opposing opinions. You just mentioned how some some older folk, they, they could be the source or the, the spreader of misinformation. But there's that statistic that says, you know, people older than 65 share nearly seven times as many articles from fake news uh, as from a younger demographic. So it's you got it's really important to be digitally literate right now. I think them like not being as digitally literate definitely has a lot to do with it because they don't really know how to maybe like fact check things or they kind of are just accepting of things that are told to them. Um, But I think that people around our age or younger know that you can't really believe everything that you see online and are more like willing to kind of go out and do some extra resource i mean research (laughs) well yeah i mean there's also the thing that you know we kind of grew up in this digital age um and while you know the older generation is you know they've had more experience like actual real life experience than we have just by virtue of being older they didn't grow up with this kind of technology and it kind of it's insane how fast misinformation can spread Yeah, social media definitely like amplifies things, especially because when you're on your own social media account, you're following people who probably are thinking similarly to you. Exactly. Oh, for sure. And as big as a problem as as misinformation can be, I think it's also just as important not to super overstate this issue because it tends to lead to the loss of faith in institutions, institutions that we have in place to protect us, I think something that we've seen really recently was what exactly happened with coronavirus. Oh my God. Presentation of facts, misinformation spread, and like wildfire, it was like two opposing sides of an argument about whether masks are effective, vaccines are effective, the vaccine causes all sorts of crazy things. And you know, we have a reputable source of world health organizations. And unfortunately, people are believing what they see online because maybe it is affiliated with their political beliefs and things along those lines. It's also the most, you know, con- convenient form of information. It's a quick Google search and whatever pops up first is, you know, it becomes the first thing that you believe. It's a scary world we live in. With COVID, I think that we saw a lot of information every day and it kind of goes into how having more evidence doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be a smaller spread of misinformation because sometimes when there's so much evidence and so many sources to to go through you kind of get overwhelmed with the amount of information and it still makes it really difficult to find a source that is really based in fact or a source that you feel like you can trust. No, I totally get that. One of the big things, because I was also student teaching at the time, um, was how far you had to be away from each other. So the standard guideline, I think at the time was six feet and then eventually got changed to three feet. But in band classrooms, when you were playing an instrument, you know, spinning into instruments, they had us at 12 feet apart. And then I think at one point we even went to 18. But the fact is like, we were getting all this information from the CDC and we're like, but it's changing so often and I don't really know what to what to believe in. Yeah, and the same thing happened with how many days we had to quarantine. We started at two weeks and it changed from there. And I think this is a great point about how when media 
presents us with information or too much information that is constantly changing, people become less reliant on these institutions we have. I mean, maybe it seems crazy looking back on it now, but, you know, people started not believing in what the CDC had to say about a life-threatening disease. Yeah, I think it's definitely understandable how people could become skeptical when there's just a lot of information to go through. I know myself, like, I'm definitely guilty of being skeptical at times because it's just not knowing who to believe and then I kind of feel like I don't believe anyone and it could definitely be like really dangerous yeah and I mean it's not even you know entirely the CDC's fault CDC's fault but the fact is they were you know our quote-unquote pillar of truth and they had to deliver information to us so that we would feel safe but that information was changing almost daily I feel like so you know what can we believe it it's really hard to tell um kind of um talking about that it leads to you know a collective loss of you know overall truth because then people are skeptical so even if somebody like the cdc is talking about um you know staying safe staying while well, wearing masks six feet apart um like you were saying victoria it's so hard to decipher what's actually real because the source is changing um kind of leads people to find their own social bubbles and like we were saying before about the echo chambers people just find people that believe in what they believe in and you know they don't really want to change that behavior totally yeah. and it becomes easier to see how maybe in the mixture of all this confusion reading some misinformation online be suddenly becomes way more believable yeah, I think that's just highlights why it's so important to be digitally literate and use these online sources that we have to kind of research a topic more in depth and get correct information. Yeah, um, I think before we recorded this, Victoria, you showed us that TikTok of this clearly AI beach. Oh, the glass beach. The glass yeah. beach. There's For those of you not watching our YouTube channel right now, we um, watched this TikTok of this beach with pink water, well, blue water, pink sand, clearly fake and fantastical. And it had like over 50K likes on Facebook of people saying like, this is so beautiful. I want to visit this. To be fair, <laughs> if it was real, I'd also like to visit there. That's not <laughs> the point of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of scary though sometimes like, to see images like that online or videos that are clearly or I guess clearly to us they would be fake but then to see other people look at it and think that it's real is like can be kind of disturbing oh yeah and it's it's definitely getting rough out there with you know the the evolution of generative AIs and I know we kind of just did a big topic on generated AI artwork but like to those that aren't super digitally literate it could be pretty convincing and then people start sharing these fake images and we spiral right yeah I mean this is already happening you know a, a quick scroll on social media even I will be fooled upon first glance at looking at an AI image and I think we also have to be super skeptical of certain sites like 4chan and Reddit, because these are sites that allow you to maintain a certain level of anonymity. So anyone can really be posting anything. And like we've been saying, 
perhaps you stumble upon something that really resonates with your political beliefs and you may just believe it. Thanks for listening to our episode on the misinformation station. Uh, this has been in my real name now, uh, Josh Chen. For real this time, it's Luca Mancuso. And I'm Victoria Salos. Be sure to let us what you know in the comments below. Hit like, share, subscribe. Um, Stay safe, y'all. Become digitally literate. Yeah, for real. Don't be stupid. Bye.